Welcome to Basecamp for Men. I'm your host, Tony Rezac. This is a show that gives you insights and resources on how to live a more courageous life. We'll be looking at men, the current state of masculinity, and how to create a more inspiring narrative for all men. Welcome and let's get started. This episode is dedicated to all who are about to awaken. I honor your courage, your heart, and your commitment to living the truth. The topic of conspiracies and how we deal with this information is an important part of our awakening as a tribe. I would not include it here if it was not important. The time when conspiracies were considered a fringe topic is fading in the rearview mirror. To not know what is going on at the top of the power pyramid is to show an unwillingness to look. And if we are to commit to truth, no matter what it shows us, is to experience discomfort. The truth takes us out of our comfort zone, sometimes far out of our comfort zone. So it is back here on the hero's journey that we find ourselves. If you are a man or a woman who's been unable to even poke your head down the rabbit hole, I ask you, why not? Why are you so afraid? These truths that you've been running from have now arrived at the shores of your awareness. And the events in the coming weeks and months will further confirm what was long ago discovered by intrepid explorers like my guest today. Part of coming to clear seeing is to cut through the fog of conditioning and disbelief. Notice your reactions as you hear two people talk about things like the deep state or cabal. Do you know how many millions of people around the world know this stuff? Do you really want to stay asleep, unaware, and ignorant of what is really happening? Are you just waiting for sports to come back and for things to get back to quote-unquote normal? Are you unable to discern the elephant in the room? This is not about intelligence, by the way. If I have built up any credibility in the work I do here, if the things I say ring with the truth, then trust me when I say that things are about to get unsettling for a lot of people. Cognitive dissonance will be the order of the day. You will want to have this information in the episodes that are coming about the Great Awakening and what that means for us. Hang in there. If I am wrong, I will quietly go back to talking about strictly men's issues. But if what I am saying is true, then you will all want this information. I cannot live in my mission and not lay out the pattern that has been so clearly explained to me. I took an oath to awaken the men that found their way into my circle. If you are listening to this, then that circle includes you, my friend. Do not worry if some of this stuff feels too out there at the beginning. Sit with what resonates, investigate when your curiosity sparks up, but know that the truth is coming. Its day has arrived. It is moments like this that I think of the famous Sufi quote, quote, the truth is also seeking the seeker, unquote. My guest today is Ole Damagard. Ole is a truth seeker, code breaker, peacemaker. He is an author, international speaker, and former journalist. Ole is widely considered one of the world's foremost experts in false flags and global conspiracies. He has been awarded the Prague Peace Prize and has had millions of people around the world listen to his interviews and presentations. Here is my interview with Ole Damagard. Okay. I am here with Ole Damagard, author, thought leader, researcher, Ole Damagard. Uh, been really looking forward to chatting with you, Ole. Welcome to Basecamp for Men. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Tony. It's a real pleasure being here with you. I wanted to, I wanted to start with a quote that I saw um, about you from the Apache Nation. And they said, quote, we love and respect your work, Ole. You are a warrior for all people. You face danger. We stand with you as you understand our orientation, unquote. And what a blessing from this community. I guess my first question is, how did you get 
you know, were you working with them? Did they happen to read some of your books or see some of your material? Um, and then I thought I saw it, correct me if I'm wrong, that you were adopted by the Apache nation. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. And so how did, how did that come about? You're, you're registering in their field, so to speak. Tony, I tell you, God works in mysterious ways, I say without being religious, but I mean, how does it happen? I I don't really know. It's just divinely coordinated and synchronized sometimes, and I'm just in awe of what's happening. What you just read is uh, some of the most important and most beautiful words in my my life, Mm -hmm. something that I'm the most proud of. And uh, ever since I was a child, I was very interested... uh, with gunfighters of the old Wild West, the historical Wild West, and two tribes, the Apache uh, tribe of the Ndeo people, or the, the um, Sioux Nation. These two mm. tribes, for some reason, resonated very much with me, especially a chief called Cochise, uh, who I he- hold in very high respect. And also, I loved he had a relationship with a white man who... Uh, in, in times of great danger, he, this white guy, his name was Tom, I forgot his the last name. Anyway, he rode straight into the Apache camp and said, let's talk. And this was at a time where, I mean, the, the Apaches were officially very cruel and were chopping people up right, left and center. But he rode up there on his mule saying, Let's see if we can come to some kind of understanding. And they became best friends, Cochise and uh, Tom Jeffrey, I think his name was. They, they are even said to be buried next to each other, even though Cochise is buried in an unknown location. And uh, so over the years, uh, I've always tried to see, is there any way I can help these people? Because I know how... Uh, these very powerful nations have been totally destroyed by design and by government uh, deals that have never ever been followed. I mean, every single contract that they signed was was just neglected and they were robbed and destroyed and also, especially the gene, uh, sorry, the Apache nation, Mm -hmm. their gene pool is very unique because it's so pure because they've been living in this uh, isolated area and kept in the same sort of tribe for, I think, thousands of years. The gene pool is very, very unique, and that also makes it very interesting for mad scientists that want to do all kinds of weird stuff. So also the way they've been pushed into reservations on the absolute worst places on, uh, in the country, you know. And then it turned out that these absolute horrible places then had uranium and other things that, uh, that these powers that shouldn't be there were interested in. So once again, they were raped and raped and raped and then pumped up with drugs and alcohol. And I mean, awful, awful, awful. And so, uh, like I said, I've always been looking for ways if I could get in touch with them and somehow say, I, I haven't got any money, I haven't got anything really, except my intention. And my intention is if I can in any way help or support you, please let me know. And so I started... Um, I think I did an interview or a, a series of interviews, especially with a guy called Shush, which means bear. And uh, we became good friends. And then without me knowing it, he had been following me, I believe, and seen what I've been doing. And so he had been speaking to the elders in the tribe. And he had uh, also, I think it was through him that they sent me this message. It just came out of the blue one day. But, but I've been standing up facing, you know, 
state-sponsored terrorism and, and trying to expose uh, assassins for the last 30, 40 years. So as a one-man band. So I think that is what sort of they recognized of being a minority, but up against very strong evil forces that are very, very brutal. And so they they sent me this message and I was blown away by it. And then uh, I did uh, uh, also, well, along the way, he said, we would like to adopt you. And I was, I mean, I was blown away. And I said, that is such a blessing as well, because that means that radio hosts like you might notice it and say, well, that's a bit unusual, and then ask question about them, because that's the whole point, to put the, put the focus on their situation and see how we can help them, because they are, for instance, the Apache Nation, who is in the San Carlos uh, Reservation in Arizona, they have been uh, poisoned by uh, thousands of barrels of Agent Orange from Monsanto that has been buried inside the reservation right next to the school building. So this, these uh, oil barrels have been leaking out this horrible, horrible poison for many years and it's going into the water, it's going into everywhere. And so now uh, this tribe even ha have um, a special, they I think they call them the, the orange tribe, which are, you know, more or less children with two heads and no arms. And I mean, it's just awful. And it's going, it's leaking down into the Gila River and it's just leaking outside or in the whole southwest of Arizona. So it's in all our interest to really try and help clean that mess up and, and also help them in any way and we possibly can. It's the worst kind of injustice because these are people that revered the land. The land was sacred. They would never pollute or use chemicals they were the most most natural people the the indigenous tribes and so to be forced to live in you know uh toxic you know pollution where the water is polluted it goes against everything about their spirituality and their their um their goddess their their sense of great spirit all the things that they um that they embody and it's been stripped of them so um you know i i wanted i, I just before we came on i was saying to you that um, I feel like there is an awakening that's happening. And when I say that, you know, I'm, I am talking about a spiritual awakening, but there seems to be an awakening where this knowledge of the dark elements, the, you know, before it was called, you know, it's called conspiracy theories. Um, that was something that was stuck on to make people reluctant to look at particular elements of power. Um, and so if you were somebody that investigated that, it meant, oh, you were crazy. I don't want to follow anybody that's getting all these notions, but there is, I've noticed as somebody that's looked down in the many rabbit holes, not to the extent that you have, but I have been down many of the same ones. And I feel like it has helped clear things up for me about what we're up against and helped awaken to the shadow, some of the dark elements, um, how did you first get interested? I, for me, I tell people, you know, I, the first thing that kind of popped for me was crop circles. And that might not sound like a conspiracy, but there was something about crop circles that I was like, what in the hell are these? How is, you know, there, there was something that was bringing me into the uh, investigation of crop circles that started it. And then 9-11, and we'll talk about that in a second, was a big one for me. And I'll tell you why. But first, I guess I want to just ask you, how did you first 
get interested in anything that was fringe or would have been considered conspiracy theory? Was it, was it the JFK? Like, what was your access point where you went, hey, wait a minute, I want to look at this. Something doesn't make sense about this. I think it started when I arrived on this planet, maybe round or flat or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, I was born into a family that has later turned out to be living a double life. I was not aware of that until just a few years ago, oh. uh, where both my parents seem to have been secret NATO agents uh, mm -hmm. working for the Gladio Network in Denmark. And not only them, but my whole family, our neighbors, everybody was involved in this a NATO operation that went under the name of Gladio, which to start with was a defense mechanism, but has later turned into an absolute terror uh, mechanism. And it's the one power that is behind so much of this alleged terror, terrorism that is uh, occurring in the world today. So I, I grew up feeling something is wrong, you know, I, and I think maybe that is why I've become good the thing is, I'm sort of like, almost like a rain man in this area. You put me in a kitchen, I'm a disaster. But in this area, for some strange reason, I don't know, but this body is made for this. And uh, so I, I grew up on the circumstances where there were conspiracies going on in the background, you know, where, where there were, I, I think I just got sensitive to things not being said or looks or feelings in the room that, or neighbors or friends that came to visit that didn't match up with, you know, is he just a friend? So why did he would just give, why was he given so much money when we don't have any? And, you know, there were all of these double layered lies and stuff. So I think it's, for me, it started very early, which I now see as a blessing, or I call my childhood boot camp because I went through so many different types of traumas meaning that uh, after I stopped being a victim, I could see the immense blessing of these traumas because it gave me the possibility for a much bigger understanding of people in difficult situations. And I just want to point out conspiracy theories, the theory part, a conspiracy that just means conspiratus. It means breathing together, which is normal. But we have added then that if two and more people are involved in criminal activity planning or carrying it out, we call it a conspiracy. So in your court system, it can be a conspiracy to fraud or whatever. But conspiracy theories, that was added by the CIA and weaponized by the CIA against critical thinkers after the JFK assassination. It was, it was when they started freaking out, when people were saying, hold on, this whole Warren Commission crap doesn't make any sense whatsoever. That's not a true word anyway, what is going on. Then they designed this word to hit people like you, me, anyone with a critical mind saying, but this doesn't make any sense. Please tell me the truth. Just tell me the truth and I'll be quiet. I'll back off. But until then, I will start digging. I'll keep digging. During 9-11, I was living in New York City at the time. And, you know, I remember the first part of me going, what the hell's going on is right after the towers came down, ex-CIA James Woolsey came on and he was basically saying, well, this is the kind of stuff that Americans are going to get if they don't get behind what we're doing. And I remember going, I, and I remember going, I remember going, whoa, I was telling my wife, I go, wait a minute, what is, what's, where's this coming from? Like that is not, that's something that maybe you would see weeks later in an analysis, not right now. Like we're still watching it happen. And then as the, as the smoke cleared and we started to figure out what was what, 
Tower 7 was the thing where I was like, wait a minute, hold on a second. Okay, even if I give you that the Twin Towers fell because airplanes hit it, what about over here? That's a 42-story building. And their official story is that it came down by fire. And I'm like, that does not make sense. And so I started talking to architects and structural engineers. I, I knew a lot of people in New York. And I said, does that make sense that a 42-story skyscraper would come down because there was a fire inside? Every single one of them said, there is no way in hell. And in fact, one of my guys that I was talking to said, you are asking me to disregard everything I know about Newtonian physics to believe that a fire collapsed that building. And so when I would say, well, what did cause Tower 7? Almost every single one said it had to have been a demolition. And so if Tower 7 is a demolition, then the whole damn thing is under scrutiny, right? And the thing is, as I would tell my friends, hey, it, was, it had to have been an inside job of some sort. And they would say, well, what's your proof? And I'd say, have you looked at Tower 7? And they would all freak out. They would say, they said it was a fire. Why are, you, why are you insisting it's not? I'm like, because it doesn't make any sense that a fire would collapse a 42-story building like that. It all came down at once. you know. And then I saw later on that there was a big group in Europe of structural engineers and architects that did a thorough investigation of Tower 7. And they said the only explanation was a simultaneous collapse of all the you know, all the moorings or all the, the rebar of the building that it had to have been blown up, basically, is what they said. Um, I don't know if you did any deep dive on, on 9-11. I mean, I, I investigated it enough to go, I kind of know this is a big scam. Um, and, but when I would talk about it, people would be like, oh, you're, you're one of those. And I was like, well, I'm somebody that got very curious about this because I was living in New York and I, it never made sense to me that Tower 7 would just collapse like that. Okay, Tony, to ask me if I looked into it, that's a bit of a stupid question. <laughs> I know, I know. Or what did you find about Tower 7 and, and, and 9-11, I guess? Let me put it like this. If you look at the buildings, the two major towers, mm -hmm. they were dustified. They were not blown up. They turned into dust. There's absolutely no rubble on ground level. There should have been like 13 storage uh, of just rubble had it been normal controlled de demolition. Mm -hmm. They were dustified. And you can see one of the towers go down in free speed. I mean, it's the same had you been standing on top of the building, dropping an apple. The buildings and the apple would have hit the ground level at the same time. That is not possible had it been any kind of natural event or controlled demolition or whatever. So what happened? And I'll tell you one more. If you, if you take a, a, a plane are made of aluminium. Okay, it's got two twin, it's got two uh, engines, some of them made of titanium, are uh, weighing up to six tons each. But except for that, it's an empty canister made of aluminum, more or less. So it's more or less like a can, you know, like take a Coca-Cola bottle, open it, pour out the Coca-Cola. That's the same type of material it's made of. Then fill it up with jet fuel, turn the jet fuel on, take that and smash it into a concrete wall with armored steel behind it. If that wall dustifies and falls down in free speed, then I would believe the official story. Up until then, I would say, that is absolute bullshit. Something bizarre is going on. Mm -hmm. And so when my daughter was four years old, I was sitting uh, working with some of these videos and I was going through them and she was standing behind me looking at them and she said, Dad, what are you, what are you looking at? And so I, I told her the official story. 
And she then looked at me and said, Dad, I'm a child. I'm not stupid. Why are you lying to me? Four <laughs> years old. And then she ran off. That is an open mind that is not packed with propaganda. And I think it was Goebbels, uh, Hitler's propaganda minister, who said that the bigger the lie, the easier it is to make people believe it. Mm. And here we have a massive lie, massive lie. And very, very, very suspicious connections into the same uh, crime families, Mm -hmm. if your audience is not aware of it, but the Bush dynasty, oh my God, oh my God, when it comes to crimes, unbelievable. And here we have the the Bush family in all different areas, uh, many different uh, key positions, but I'm not saying them alone, absolutely not, but this was a 100% inside job by very dark forces inside the American government and Israel, backed by Saudi money. That's that's what happened. But, and the whole idea was built on the old Roman template, problem, reaction, solution. The mm. few in power secretly create a problem, like a bomb, a virus, a financial crash, a mass shooting. Mm. Every time I say things like that, please put the word alleged before. Alleged mass shooting, alleged terror attack, alleged virus... Uh, alleged uh, bank uh, financial crash, they secretly create these problems, boom, to get the emotional reaction from us. They want it emotional so that we don't have time to think. We just react emotionally. And the emotion they're looking for is like, oh, my God, oh, my God, we need protection. Yeah. And what they think, then they want us to turn towards them who we think are there to protect us, not understanding that it's actually them who created the problem, saying, please, please help us, help us. This horrible thing happened. And they will then come in on the white horse as a hero saying, well, the only way we can help you in this dangerous situation with this massive problem is, and boom, in comes the solution. And the solution is the only thing that matters in this whole operation. It's the solution. And the solution is every single time something we would never ever have accepted had it not been the problem, problem, reaction, solution. So every single time something happens, the solution is the same. More and more robocops, more and more the police turning into military, more and more cameras, more and more surveillance, more and more uh, tracing, tracking your liberties out the windows, you're paying for your own slavery, more and more unjust wars, all of that. So it's actually problem, reaction, fascism. That's the, the template they're using. Well, we're seeing that a lot. We're seeing that a lot right now uh, with everything that's going on. You know, I one one of the things I think people get tripped up on if they haven't done their research is I still have people that I talk to that think the top of the pyramid of power is, say, the president of the United States. There's nobody above him at all. Like, it just goes to Trump or, you know, the prime minister of England. There is no shadow and it's it's astounding to me that somebody can do any sort of research and not get into what's called the cabal or the deep state. It used to be called the Illuminati. Now I think deep states become more of a popular word or cabal. And when you start to do even a little bit of research, you start to see that the president is actually further down the pyramid and up above him are names of people that sit on things like the Trilateral Commission, the Bilderberg Group, the Council on Foreign Relations, et cetera, et cetera. And you'll see names like Soros, uh, Rockefeller, Henry Kissinger, uh, Rothschild. You'll see some of the same names over and over. And those are the names of the deep state 
uh, players, the power brokers. Um, it's not necessarily Barack Obama when he was president. He was playing a role, but it's these other higher ranking deep state players. Um, and so is that, is, has that been your finding? What, what have you found of who's really, you know, who's really on the dark side, I guess, is one way of saying it. Um, and, you know, some people are just like, no, that's, that can't be. I think they get confused saying that, you know, you're saying that all government is bad, you know, and they, they start lumping these really low level people that work for the government are evil minded, you know, they don't go high up enough to see what's behind the curtain, so to speak. Um, so I, I was wondering if you could speak a little bit about that and what have you found with that? And I totally empathize with people that are confused and that believe in the official story. I can totally understand them. It's just that uh, we are at a point uh, in history where you cannot believe in illusions anymore because we are in a bad spot if we do, because they, they have a very dark agenda. They're moving fast, very forward, forward very fast. So we need to see, you know, what the hell is going on? And if you don't understand what the problem is, you cannot come up with a solution. So if you think the problem is over here to the left, then the solution would be here. But if the problem is actually to the right, you are up against a totally different situation. So I think it's very important, just like you say, to identify what the hell is happening here. And so I base this on like 40 years of my life. I dedicated to finding out the truth wherever it would take me. I'm not here to prove a point or, or persuade anyone. I am just trying to find out what the hell is going on. And then if I can be of service, that this information can help to lift the world. So... When you look at who's actually behind it, if you look at uh, the president, that is way low. Um, the president of different countries uh, the, the, in this power pyramid that is uh, there. There's like a global power pyramid. And then you got pyramids within pyramids within pyramids within pyramids within pyramids, all of them compartmentalized by design so that no one will really understand the bigger picture except the very few at the top. <clears throat> There's one little thing about this power pyramid, though, is that they forget to tell you that it's actually upside down. So the top of the pyramid is actually the bottom of the bottom of the bottom filled with absolute super psychopaths with a very, very dark agenda where they are worshiping the guy downstairs and the rest of us is trying to become better people and are aiming upwards. So mm. it's like yin-yang, it's total opposite interests. Yeah. One of the things that I think people, I see people, they don't, they're not trusting, you know, you obviously, your radar for something not being quite right. I think I've, mine has developed over, you know, 15 years as well, where I trust my gut. If I, if something is a little off, I start getting a little curious, but I think a lot of people, they don't, they don't trust. They don't trust when something doesn't look right. They, they're they a little too uh, compliant with the official version of things that I can see. Um, I know a lot of really good people and there's a lot of them that do not, they don't, nothing seems that odd. Or if they, if they, if it does seem odd, they're not expressing it. I think they're very afraid to look at things. Why, why do you think people are so afraid to go into some of this stuff when they, maybe they get an inkling that, hey, wait a minute, 
what, what is up with this? What's up with all these weird, um, this conflicting stuff about the test, the virus test and, 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 you know, masks help. They don't help. Like there's all these different things that don't really quite add up. Uh, but I still see a lot of people in my country here in the U S where they don't, they're afraid to look. Why are people so afraid to look? So I mean, the thing is that if what we are saying is true, that means that so many things that they believe in have not been true. Yeah. It means that they have been being, letting themselves be manipulated, uh, letting themselves uh, be um, deceived, yeah. that they have been standing up maybe demonstrating for freedoms and this and that, and they've been voting, I am a... I am a responsible adult. I will go and vote and show how responsible I am. But once you start seeing if what we are saying is true, when it comes to, for instance, elections, I've never, I've never voted in my whole life after I started understanding how this system works yeah. because I don't uh, support organized crime. That's as easily uh, explained as it comes. Because once you're up on that top in the political system, I have that from the inside. You cannot get up there if you're not part of their game, of their team. You have to corrupt yourself so they can control you. Otherwise, you're not let up there. Yeah. So voting, I don't think so. It's like a big crime family up there at the top, right? It's like, it's sociopaths. I think I remember reading a book once on sociopaths, and it really opened my eyes because they said, uh, you know, one of the things that you and I, like humans, we tend to think if that like, you know, Henry Kissinger is just like me, you know, he's just a really, but he's a really smart guy. He went to an Ivy league. Uh, they don't consider that the top of the pyramid is a group of psychopaths, sociopaths who have no empathy for human beings. You know, I remember I, I, part of my wake up was watching Henry Kissinger on 60 minutes. He was being interviewed and they said, you know, how do you justify, you know, bombing women and children in Cambodia? And he just cold-blooded, you know, in that voice, clearly you don't understand geopolitics, you know? I mean, he just brushed it off, like, how dare the reporter ask such a question beneath him? Like, of course I bombed them. What's, what, what are you getting at? And I just remember going, wow, he does, not, he does not have the same software as I have. He doesn't care. And that was part of my awakening. And then just realizing, reading about, how business is conducted up top that it's like a crime family of, of sociopaths, basically that helps me get my head around. That's how they do what they do. They're not like you and I at all. Right. But then you bring up an interesting point. You say still the key is forgiveness. That forgiveness is still like an, uh, uh, a gateway. Like we can't, if we're just going to go those bad guys, those bad guys, it puts us in this victim mentality where we don't have the power to change anything. We really can't, you know, uh, we can't unseat them from power from a place of being the victim. So how, how do you, how do we balance that out? I guess is one way of asking you. I would say difficult, not impossible. Yeah. When you, I mean, these are the things I love that, that you're observant to details you do, because it, they say it. You know, and I, I would like to point out there's a difference between so, uh, psychopaths and sociopaths. Psychopaths are born like that. It's just like you said, it's a different software. Mm -hmm. And one of the things they don't have, they don't have compassion. They don't have empathy. They just don't have it. So you can't blame them for being absolute horrible individuals. In a, but they look like us. They act like us. They have 
train, they see, okay, so if I squeeze out some liquid from my eye when somebody officially is no longer with us, that works. Or if I, you know, they have, they have learned to, uh, to imitate us and our emotion, but they don't have them. They don't have them. You can't blame them because it's not in their system. Mm-hmm. And so how can you see that the system is rigged? Like, for instance, Henry Kissinger being offered the Nobel Peace Prize. It's like, yeah. are you kidding me? <laughs> but then you start seeing that Alfred Nobel actually was the inventor of dynamite. And dynamite has been the base for the murder of millions of people. And then some of the profit of all of the, the I mean, these this money is dipped in blood. And then they turn it into a foundation and they have a peace prize. Isn't that nice? And the most beautiful dinner and the whole world is standing in awe. Oh, he got the Nobel Peace Prize. He's the worst, one of the worst war criminals ever on, on this planet. I mean, Henry Kissinger, if you want to see a living monster, there is one. If he is alive, I mean, I, know. I don't know, I know what he is, if he's human or what, whatever, but you know, it's like Bill Gates. There you got another super, super, super psychopath. Yep. My yep. God. And in his TED talk, here's a guy who was a computer nerd, and suddenly he's the world leading expert on viruses. Maybe because he invented many of the viruses that the PC world is experiencing. You got the Mac world, no viruses. You got the PC world, Microsoft, with millions of viruses. And antivirus software is making billions. It's the exact same setup. But here you have dear Mr. Bill Gates here, who's in his TED talk, he's saying, well, one of the TED Talks, he's saying, okay, so we've got a problem with overpopulation. Yep. So how are we going to solve that? One, one major part of the solution, his words, are the vaccines. Yep. Okay, so please explain to me. The way I see vaccines, are they not supposed to save lives? And in that case, that would, make that, that would mean that more of us will stay on this level of death. You know? So how can you say that vaccines will be a major part of the solution of too many of us being alive. Oh, man. Truth is stranger than fiction right now. You've given us so much to think about. Thank you so much for coming on, Ole, and sharing all your insights. Uh, I hope to have this chat with you again as we unfold this more in the coming months. Um, And is there any creative projects that you'd like our listeners to know about? Any uh, programs, talks, writings? that uh, you would like to direct them to? I would very much like to say that uh, the worst assholes in your life are the best teachers. If you stop being a victim and turn it around and see, what can I help? Because they are pushing your buttons. Whoever that is, if it's your boss, if it's an absolute super psychopath in, in the universe, Dr. Evil, <laughs> whoever it is, they are helping us to heal. So in one, word, in one way, it's like I say, don't judge the sinner, judge the sin. I will, I will do everything I can to stop these forces, but I do not judge them. Just like you can't judge a psychopath for being a psychopath. And also, Tony, without him or Bill Gates or, or these other super psychopaths as fools, mm-hmm. we would never have met. I would never have met incredible people all over the world. So they're indirectly helping us. I call them black angels. 
on, on another spiritual level, they're really helping us join together and, and being part of creating an incredible future. If we get our thumbs out our butt and start moving, it's not enough just to like things on Facebook. You have to stand in your truth and say, who am I? Who am I? Am I just going to sit around and let other people die or whatever for freedom? Or am I going to take part? I'm, I'm not talking about lynching parties. I'm not talking about out throwing rocks and demonstrating. I'm talking about a magical word that is no. Mm. No, 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 and no. And then practice on letting go of fear. The only weapon they have against us is fear. Whatever it is that pumping at us is fear-based. Because if we're not fearful, they cannot control us. So practice on different ways of letting go of fear. And, you know, like if music helps you, meditation, brain maximization or whatever you want to call it, same thing. Hug a dog, hug a cop, whatever helps you, get your balance back. And when something happens, boom, like that, that's the problem. Instead of just reacting, saying, oh my God, take a step back, go for a walk, smell some nice flowers, be with some friends, then come back and say, okay, I'm going to look at this again, but now I'm going to see and say, what is the solution they're offering? If there's a solution, boom, what is it? And I can guarantee you when it is an inside job, it will be problem reaction, fascism, fashion. As soon as you smell, oh my God, here it comes again. <laughs> smells like absolute crap, fascism. They're trying to get me to accept this one as well. The magic word is no. And now, if I can please end this with a prayer, I'm not religious because uh, I feel that religion is very often used as a, as a control tool and a power to, yeah, control tool. But I am a spiritual being and there's this prayer that I love and it goes like this. May the entire universe be filled with peace and joy, love and light. That's the entire, every single square inch or centimeter of this universe be filled with peace and joy, love and light. May everyone, and especially the ones who hurt us, especially the ones who hurt us, be filled with peace and joy, love and light. May the light of truth overcome all darkness. So victory to that light. Wow, that's a beautiful way to end. Thank you so much, Oli. It's such a blessing to meet you, uh, to hear your truth. Thank you for your courage and your leadership as we face um, as we face what we're facing right now as people become more aware. So thank you for holding the light and speaking the truth and sharing that with us today. And please come back and do it again. I, I would love this interview today. Anytime, anytime, Tony. I know this is a lot to think about and consider. I remember what it was like for me when I was first exposed to this so many years ago. I like what Oli said about tracking what is happening, this kind of problem-reaction-solution chain link. If something happens in the world that causes cognitive dissonance and you and the masses have this big emotional reaction, usually fear, and then there's a solution presented by the so-called authorities to this reaction, really look at the solution they are offering. Are they proposing something that further limits your freedoms and liberties? Are they proposing something for the so-called greater good, quote-unquote, that doesn't align with your value system? Does the whole thing seem off to you? Is the solution a fascist solution, one that smells like shit, to quote Ole? This is all part of the great awakening of humanity, so remember to use the information as part of your own awakening. To dig deeper into some of these, I have two recommendations for you. Certainly go to ole at lightonconspiracies.com. 
And another resource I love for this is Joe Martino at Collective Evolution. Outstanding. He is at www.collectiveevolution.com. That is www.collective-evolution.com. That's our show for today. Thank you for listening. Men, good luck in all your endeavors and good luck on your hero's journey. This is Tony Rezac, and you're listening to Basecamp for Men.